You're listening to the Gem Hammer and Sons podcast, the only podcast where Connor and Joe discuss how to make your games more better. Roll initiative. Welcome back, the world, the internet, the people. All right, good night, everybody. That was a good podcast. I loved it. Shut it down. Shut it down. So this is uh, this is episode four, right? That's right. Episode four. New Hope. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I made a comment about how we were going to... It was game. Rocky Four. The Rockies didn't have subtitles, but Rocky Four is the one with Ivan Drago. Yeah. Jeez, Rocky was... Four, Drago's Revenge. <laughs> Kyle Drogo's Revenge. Kyle Drogo. <laughs> Ivan Kyle Drogo. <laughs> Rocky Four, Khaleesi fights back. So, uh, we are back with episode four. Did not think we'd be doing this this long, frankly. Really? I'm not going to lie to you. Did you think we were going to do like one podcast and be like, wow, this was dumb. Shut yeah. it down. This, was, this wasn't funny or interesting and nobody and... wants to listen to it. Shut it all down. <laughs> and here we are, four episodes later. The kings of the internet. Yeah, frankly. Ro- rolling in all that internet and all Bitcoin. That, <laughs> yeah, and, all, and all that internet money. Yeah, you, yeah, we have a, we have a vault filled with Bitcoin that we swim in, like cartoon ducks. Right? Yeah, like cartoon ducks. I put on a top hat and some spats, but like on my naked feet, I put spats <laughs> and I leap into a vault of Bitcoin every morning. That's true. Here at Jim Hammer and Sons, life truly like a hurricane. So we get some reaction. <laughs> you got it finally. You took your long no, I, I got it. I was falling a little water there, but Jesus. See, you could have given us the spit take. That would have been great audio, great radio for the wonderful internet people. But and. I didn't. You didn't. That's how much he cares about you people. No, that's how much I care about that microphone. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The microphone more important to Connor than you. I will almost definitely cut that. (laughs) You should definitely (laughs) cut that. Some reaction from last week. The redesign a class. Not redesign a class, but... Re-s- what do we even call it? Reskinning, reflavoring a class. Reskinning a class. Reskinning a class. So, and my example was the uh, ranger as a lion tamer. The beastmaster ranger as a lion tamer. The beastmaster ranger as a lion tamer. The jester. The half orc tribal war chief drummer. Things of that nature. Uh, that contest will be going until the twenty third of September, twenty sixteen. Mm. Uh, so make sure you get us that somewhere on the internet, YouTube comment, Twitter, uh, on the Facebook. Would be fine. Absolutely. Really, any social place where Subscribe you can Subscribe at gemhammer.com. Uh, but that will go until the 23rd, so submissions still open as of when this podcast goes up. Unless I get like hit by a bus or something, and it takes me three weeks to put this up. Hmm. Yeah. At that point, you should just learn how to edit audio, and I'll just send yeah. you all the files. I made a mistake last week. Oh? When we were talking about the 501st. Let's hear it. The 501st isn't named after Vader's... Elite Stormtrooper units from They're the not? Expanded Universe. Vader's Elite Stormtrooper universe unit from the Expanded Universe is named after the 501st. Holy shit, you gotta be kidding me. No, 100%. They, there's like a story on the 501st website that's like, and here's how we came up with that number. I wanted it to be a number with a, with a 1 in there, because that's cool. And I also wanted it to be like a 4 or a 5, because it's alliterative. So I went, 501st, perfect. Because you got the nice alliteration there. And That's then, interesting. because of how awesome they are, Lucas, who was in charge of the time, not George Lucas, but the company. Lucasfilm. Lucas yeah. Uh, decided, hey, let's make it, let's make these the canon best stormtroopers on the planet. That's amazing. Because they're the best stormtroopers on this planet. 
Earth. For those right. of you future internet people, we are recording this They're the best stormtroopers, both in a galaxy far, far away and a long, long time ago, and also presently right here in your hometown. Provided that your hometown has a 501st. And if they don't, you should look into doing that, because it's cool as hell. It is. Also, what it's Tuesday, so this would have been Sunday. We went to go see Acquisitions Incorporated. Yes, we did. Live on the big screen. Live on the big screen. We are not going to give any spoilers on this, because it's possible, based on their YouTube upload, that it will not be up before, you know, and I don't want to spoil it for people who want to listen to the podcast. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them what We'll happens. be spoiling things later when we talk about Stranger I, I, Things. I'm, I, I'll give you a little spoiler. Chris Perkins dresses up in a costume, and I'm deeply offended that he doesn't dress up in cool costumes when he comes to Boston for PAX East. When he comes to Boston, yes. Yeah, when he comes to Boston for PAX East, you know. He's, he's like just got a t-shirt He's got a t-shirt, a hat. You know, he looks like typical uh, Chris Perkins on any given day. But PAX West... Shut it down. This guy's in like ridiculous costumes and masks and silly gloves and really, really unnecessary attire for what he's doing. When they show up here, nothing. It's like, hey guys, we. Hey, we rolled out of bed this morning. It's a goddamn miracle. Actually, haven't they only done one at PAX East? No. And then like two. Two? At least two. Well, Chris Perkins. Next, because I know you listen to this, and we'll get to how I know Chris Perkins listens to this podcast. But if you are listening to this one as well, just dress up. Just wear a goofy hat. I don't care. Just show yeah, have, me that you care. We have four views on the YouTube, but we have, a, we have a sneaking suspicion that Chris Perkins is one of them. The Chris Perkins is one of them. So just wear a goofy top hat and swim through your We, we should talk about the, uh, the, the Chris Perkins being deeply offended about my lack of knowledge on Drow. <laughs> so Perkins was talking on Twitter about, is there any chance... That yeah. someone listening to this doesn't know who Chris Perkins is. I find that difficult to believe, but we can explain it if we need to. He's like the managing League. editor of Dungeons and Dragons. League game designer. For, for Wizards and Hasbro. Yeah. He's like the guy in charge of, of D&D. He's, he's the dungeon master in charge of all of D&D. <laughs> like, that's all you really need to know. Yeah. He's fairly young, he seems, for, for such an important job. But I could just be... He just could be not. He could be feasting on the blood of the living. I mean, that's what I assume. I mean, he's he's been around with wizards for a while, forever. Yeah, yeah. but he was on, on Twitter running. Uh, he does these discussions. Yeah, he just like randomly answers people's questions, and like people have like rule questions, or just like in general people... about the lore, and he'll just jump right in and answer it for you. Yeah, I know a lot of people are have been asking you recently, like with Curse of Strahd just out. Why would I want the Tome of Strahd? It just tells me a couple useless pieces of information. And Perkins is great to tweet back. They're like, yeah, but he wants the, his book back and he will come get it and it will keep him from running away if it looks like you have the Sun Sword to beat him. Oh, spoiler for people who don't know that Strahd is killed by the Sun Sword, I guess. I mean, wouldn't that be obvious? It seems. Um, Moving on. And he was talking about farming. Right? Yeah, he was and farming. the Underdark. Yeah, farming in the Underdark. Two different conversations. Yeah, two two very different conversations, uh, but he was answering them both at the same time. Uh, he was like, hey, you guy, you guy uh, farming, blah, 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 and you guy, Underdark, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but what about farming in the Underdark? And um, he responded, like, o- almost, it's, 
I mean, whether or not he was actually upset, like, who knows? Because the internet, there's no context clues. Yeah, he had 140 characters, and he had he, to use 10 of them for the hashtags. Right, exactly. So, um, but it was just a very, like, I'll have you know that, you know, draw blah, 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 an army of slaves. Yeah, they, they have huge plantations of mushrooms farmed by slaves. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I, I had replied to uh, Chris Perkins and Brian Lay, 55, uh, no idea who that is, but, you know, he asked an interesting question about farming. He's like, but what about the drow? I can't really see them growing truffles in piles of giant bat guano. Although. And he replied with, drow maintain vast underdark farms tended by slaves. Hashtag the mushrooms must grow. Hashtag WOTC staff. Oh, as though very definitively like, hey, this is canon. Canon, it's happening. Um, at which point I replied with, gotta build that underdark agriculture campaign where we haggle with Duragar over a bountiful spade. Bountiful Spade is an item almost definitely no one knows about. Yeah, uh, Bountiful Spade is a magic item that, like, I think it gives you agriculture, like, advantage or... No, it gives you, like, plus five on your agriculture checks for the year, which, what campaign has agriculture checks happening in it that you would ever want to play? I don't know. But I, th- I feel like it, it comes from that earlier days of D&D where, like, there were these magic items in the world so that the point of getting this magic item is not for you to use. Right, it's you to sell... Haggle right, right. It's, it's for you to return to the sacred, like, druid so that he can, like, till the, you know, the drought the sacred, famine, right. you know, village. And Thomas Strahd comes from a very similar point of view, right? Right. The idea that... These are not for you to use. They're for no. you to hold on to and use later to, like, give to somebody. They're quest items, man. Yeah. They just happen to have magic powers that are useless to you. But heading back to the Acquisition Incorporated live game... Yeah. Uh, very briefly. Awesome. I think if it's on YouTube, uh, by the time this is up, mm-hmm. I doubt it. Uh, we will definitely uh, link to it in the show notes. But you should li- listen to it whenever it comes out. Uh, I think it's the Dungeons & Dragons YouTube account themselves that posts, yeah. posts it up. Uh, and and if you're not familiar with that, because there's a cover, you should just check it out. What are you doing on this podcast would be my question. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. But also how I suspect that Chris Perkins is listening to our podcast, is because last week we uh, called out Wizards and said, hey, if you could just send us the rest of Psionics, that would be, you know, we won't show it to anyone. Just, like, give us the rest of it. Monday, this Monday, the Unearthed Arcana was uh, Psionics up to level 10. But the uh, Acquisitions live game, definitely uh, a fun time. What can we talk about that wasn't spoilery about that? Um, I know. What's that? The movie theater served beer. That Yes. Oh my god. If you don't have a movie theater that serves beer, you're missing out. What was actually... What was, what was actually one of my favorite parts is instead of like previews and trailers and stuff before the live game at the theater, they were doing you know, interviews with the players, interviews with Perkins, uh, you know, who's DMing the whole thing. Uh, you know, trivia question about just acquisitions incorporated and whatnot and this is a little timer in the bottom screen and i'm like okay it says six minutes and 30 seconds do i have time to go get another beer before (laughs) this starts the best part was there were all these like college age kids sitting in front of us and they kind of turned around holy you got beer and we were like yeah there's a bar like in the hallway you like passed it to get here and they're like, what? If only we had time to go get a beer. And we're like, it says eight minutes and 40 seconds to showtime on the screen. You get time. And not only did their entire row get up, but the people next to us. And like, as I turned to look at them, half the people behind us 
We're talking like a theater with like maybe like a hundred seats in it. Yeah. I see roughly half of them went, there's a bar. <laughs> <laughs> like rolled up out of their seats. That bar sadly not serving Cure Wounds Light. No, they were not serving Cure Wounds Light, but they were selling something better. Beer. Alcohol. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we also got an adventure. Everybody bought tickets. Yeah, every, to that. everyone bought tickets to that, got an adventure. Uh, it's right over here. What is it? The Cloud Giants Bargain. Uh, th- I was actually pretty impressed with the presentation at first when I picked it up. It looked a lot nicer than I expected it to be. It looks a lot like how you would get the uh, the Pathfinder adventure modules. Yeah. Um, Just a soft cover, beautiful full color front. Looks very much like the the 5e stuff does. Yeah. It fits well on my 5e shelf. It reads just like uh, an Adventures League and even has the Adventures League stuff in it. I'm a little disappointed with it um not i mean the adventure's pretty cool having read through it the adventure's really cool and there's a hook that like introduces acquisitions incorporated to the world yeah which especially because it's canon now yeah right with Oban being a mass lord of Waterdeep and all that yeah but it's like told under this story that you're joining acquisitions incorporated you know as a new intern as a new intern, your, yeah. um but I'm very disappointed with the monster manual on the yeah back. there's uh hold on one Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Counting 15. and more action here on the Gem Hammer and Sunspot. Sorry, there are fifteen monsters. There are fifteen monsters in the back of this thing, and they are all straight out of the monster manual. The same stats, the same picture, the same everything. It's yeah, like, co- copy paste right in there. I, I have one of those. And I mean, granted, this was a free thing, but right. I just expected like I expected one monster. That's different. I yeah. expected one maybe, magic item maybe that's different. Maybe a cloud giant with a right. stat block for that major... It's his bargain, I'm told. Yeah. And though that's the other thing is that, I mean, you're going to find that in the other... Uh, in the new books, in the new stuff that they yeah. have out, but... Storm King's Thunder or what have you? Yeah. But in here, just a lot of, like, gargoyles and chimeras and just regular, regular old stuff. You say chimera, I say chimera. Some people say chimera. And I, and I think those people are wrong. See, this is the benefits of a classical education. <laughs> so I don't have anything else on reactions. Uh, we got a lot of uh, a lot of people just saying, "Oh, the podcast was nice on Twitter and Facebook and what have you." Yeah, but nothing really to react to. And a friend of ours who plays with us was very like, "Oh my god, you referenced Sully and Garrity." This was my face when I saw that. You know, very very excited that we referenced one of his characters. But uh, nothing from the community at large. Uh, part of that might be because we haven't updated the uh, the blog in a little bit, um, so they may not be They've paying attention. It. Yeah, they may not have been paying attention to this. Uh, that's partially my fault. Uh, things have just been so crazy around here. We've got yeah. a lot of stuff coming in and going out. There's a lot of like running the company behind the scenes. Everyone's like, "We just gotta tell us about the cards." There's so much going on, and this is not our day job. Like, I have to go to work and be a regular person in an office. The other five days of the week. Right. Wrapping up from Vermont Comic Con, getting ready to send yeah. Kickstarter stuff out. Um, My dining room is full of more boxes than ever. But like, I had to push the crumpled brown paper to one side of the table so that we so could that do we could this. record today, yeah. Yeah. So I think we should be uh, ready for a first ad break, and then we'll do uh, Tales from the Table. Sounds good. Excellent, excellent. Hey. 
I'm Trunk Stag Battler of Stag Battler and Sons Professional Adventure and Services Incorporated, and I will fight for you. When our village chieftain was kidnapped by arcane lycanthropes, we had no one to turn to for help. But thanks to Trunk Stag Battler, our chieftain was rescued, and every one of those accursed hell beasts was destroyed. Before their corruption spread, their accursed state to the living. Lo siempre, no habla español. When I was locked in a dungeon and replaced with an incubus doppelganger as a means of destroying the current monarchy and turning the kingdom over to the demonic horde, Trunk Stagbattle not only rescued me, but he banished that accursed monster to the depths of the Neverworld. Hey, Trunk here, and let me tell you, over the years I've been on thousands of quests of both the main story and side variety. That takes real adventure and know-hows. I'm Trunk Stagbattle. And I'll fight for you. I can be reached anytime via my cellular crystal ball. Just dial me at 782-422-88537. So last we left our heroes. That's right. Our intrepid heroes. The heroes of intrepidness. Our courageous, valiant heroes. They were outside. Our money-grubbing, terrible, evil. I mean, uh, they're lovely people. Absolutely. I'm sorry. What were you, what were you saying? Something about the heroes? They're, they're, they're courageous really and wonderful, and one of them is very handsome and plays a lute. That's right. And then you're the bard also. Right. There's also a bard there. There's also a bard. They were just made it to Tone Stark and Stone's secret lab. Yep. Underneath the College of Sorrows. Mm-hmm. And there was a shifter. We found out he was a shifter. Yep. That we had uh, done non-lethal damage to because we're good guys. Yes. And then you, like, killed him after, like, seven questions. Well, well, well. He was tied up. We asked him some questions, did some intimidate checks, what have you. He made, he made a deal with you guys to help you out. Yeah, and there was this, um, when we inserted the key, this, like, puzzle with, uh... Musical with tones. Yeah, yeah. Musical, musical tones. And we'll get to those, because I think that was really awesome. Um, and that that's not from the Eberron stuff. Like, I, like I'm, I very quickly abandoned that stuff <laughs> and started, like, making some stuff up on my own. So we, we questioned him, we found out his name... We found out who he was working for, something about a House of Thorns. Yep. Um, which I, I assume... It was, uh, his, name is Te- his name was Templeton. Templeton Radigan. Uh, but you guys never found out his last name. Uh, you just stabbed him in the heart. You know what? We asked him his name, and it's not weird for people to only have one name. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but Templeton Radigan, and he works for the House of Thorns. Uh, Shifter, he said he knew how to get into Tone Stark and Stone's lab, and then he tried to hit the buttons, and it didn't work. And he died. Well, you guys... He lied to us first, is Well, what he didn't actually lie to you guys. You told him which buttons to press. He And he did tell you in the beginning. He didn't know the sequence. He just knew how the sequence worked. Like, that there would be musical tones, and then you had to hit the right button that goes with the sequence. Yeah. And, and then you guys... self-shocked enough. And then you guys told him to hit the wrong button, and he died. No, he didn't die. No, yeah, yeah, he did. He was dying. He was dying. Then, then Doc spared the dying on him. Just long enough for you guys to stab him in the heart. I don't remember who stabbed him in the heart. Was it Randy? Was it the core rogue? So what you guys did was, and this is the sequence of events, He, you brought him back to life, you intimidated him into helping you, you told him to do the wrong thing that he told you like he wasn't sure about, he passed out, was dying, you'd spared the dying, tied him back up, left him for dead... Mikey tried in vain to kill him psychically a bunch of times. You all then came back out of the hallway, <laughs> robbed him, and stabbed him in the heart. This was certainly the second time we robbed him, because I had his thieves <laughs> tools already. Well, no, that was those were left 
uh, he was like working on breaking it open. Oh yeah, yeah. They were just like left at the door, mm-hmm. and he was like down below. You guys brought him back. Okay, up Okay, so we only robbed him the first time. I would have been very upset with myself if the if he had like three gold pieces on him. Yeah. If I hadn't have found those. But you want to explain the tone puzzle? That yeah. So like a panel, like they had this uh, rod with a crystal on it. That's like okay. it's a literal key, and they put it in, and it opened up this panel, and there were these three buttons right on the wall, and so every time, so. They press the center button, and they all lit up, and as they lit up, a musical tone happened. And I was doing that with my phone, just like the, the numbers mm-hmm. on a... Can I just say how confusing it was to be talking about tones while trying to get into Tone Stark and Stone's secret lab? A little confusing, but we figured it out fairly I thought it was quickly. thematically appropriate. It was thematically appropriate. But um, yeah, just, you were hitting just keys on your phone to make Yeah, I was just hitting keys on my phone to, like, the normal, like one through nine numbers on your on the dial pad to make those tones happen. And uh, they ju- all they had to do was hit the last one in every sequence. And at first it was just one, two, three. And then it went three. So it's like it lights up to show which which tone goes with which button. Yep. And then it made a sound without anything lighting up. And they had to figure out which one, which button they were supposed to press. And after playing a little bit of Simon, yep. we, uh, we got in. To this, there was this large column. I don't really understand the point of the column. Oh, the column was just a light, like it was like just it, a structural column, or it was just a light. It was it was a structural column, but with like a light in it, mm-hmm. and just the beat. There were like tons of like beetles swarming around it because it was a light source, right? Um, and when Doc went up and started f-ing around with them, they attacked him, um, and then you guys and. I think he got one-shotted? Yeah, he got one-shot by a swarm of insects. Uh, that was... Still level one, people. Just to No, yeah, that, I mean, level one. It's... But when I said there's like this black shifting mass with light peering out, the very first thing he did was, I'm going to touch it. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, and then we realized that maybe if no one else is going to take healing spells, we should buy a potion or two. Uh, because he was just straight dead. Luckily... I, I was able to get there and stabilize him so he wasn't mm-hmm. dying anymore. And the rest of the party took care of the swarm with their stabbing and their mind control on the beetles. Yeah, I decided that, I mean, since they have like a negative five intelligence, um, I think they're to- like, I-, I figured, you know, Mikey doing psychic damage, that, yeah, that probably does double damage. <laughs> that makes sense to me. They're going to they're gonna super fail that... Uh, like every roll. What's that? An intelligence score of one for negative five? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and they were like they rolled a nat one and had a negative five. So I was like, you know what? That he might as well have crit against them. <laughs> I, I understand this is like a saving throw. It doesn't matter. This is for all intents and purposes. This is a crit. Oh, critically failing a slave saving throw. I'm fine if you take double damage on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thematically appropriate and what have you. Uh, luckily, I don't know if this was always the case, but that temple to Angrad... That, that was, like, was always there. Really? That was not me, like, gifting you guys to save Doc. That was straight up always written in. So Doc has zero hit points, and he is a cleric of Angrad. We are using the Pathfinder gods because... That's how we started yeah, playing. The, the world was started in Pathfinder, so it only makes sense that we use those gods. And going around the temple... Would you know exactly the character who's dead, exactly his god, has exactly a temple in exactly the right place we needed it. Like, I have written down, I'll show you. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to see it. I know that I believe you. Okay. I see no reason for you to lie to the wonderful internet people. Absolutely. <laughs> I was sitting there like, 
trying to like lead you guys to the door like well we should like there's this big door this big ornate door and then some like regular looking doors and then like some stuff further down the hall i'm not sure we should check out this big door it might be like full of enemies and stuff fuck this and i was like you sure you don't want to check out that door (laughs) you might want to go check out that big ornate door you sure you don't want to go check on that door news is we have the uh the rogue you know who did like stealth recon yeah he did stealth recon of the empty room yeah uh, and found a temple of Angrad, and you gave us the benefits of a long rest after a short rest there. Yes. Which was nice, because uh, without that, we would have had to wait three hours. I'm sorry, 1D four hours mm-hmm. until Doc got back. And Doc's our heal bot, so yep. having him is... You guys also found useful. a chest with uh, some with some potions in it. Yeah, which was nice. Were those added there, or those... No, those were, those were... Because like, I, like, I used the dungeon from the Eberron mm-hmm. uh, module. Uh, and those were all just there. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense that like if they happen to find this thing, if they go looting around, they'll find this. And yeah. So no, all that was already there. Uh, quite awesome. You guys did miss one chest, which is unfortunate. Oh, what was in it? Uh, four gold ingots, um, a bag of coins, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, there was uh, some scrolls and potions of like mage armor and various spells. <laughs> but you guys totally missed it. You guys just found the, uh, the Iron Defender, the robot dogs, and then just like skipped to the room. Right. Uh, it, w- it was, like, in plain sight, too. You guys just, like, you didn't search the room, nothing. You just opened the door. Like, There's dogs. Cool. We're done here. Everyone yeah. leave the room. Yeah, we found puppies. Uh, <laughs> Johnny's character, Apollo, our Warforged monk, and I investigated another room, found five. You know, we found six uh, Iron Defenders, which are, like, construct dogs. One of them was crushed under the uh, pillar. Then it was five, and one of them was crushed. Two oh. four. Four left. No, you're right. There were five, and one of them was crushed. Um, and those were actually supposed to be dispersed throughout mm-hmm. the building. Um, but where we went over last time, I tried to like cut it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, not realizing that we'd then finish an hour early. But uh, yeah, the whole idea is that they have rods in their heads, and I had decided that it's like I would give them one shot at like giving the access code so that they'd like join up with them because I knew you guys were going to have a kind of a hard fight at the end. Right. Um, and I absolutely did not believe that he would guess that his access code are the numbers printed on his chest. Which is AP0110, I yeah. believe. It's like, give us your identification access code. And he was like, and he just immediately said the numbers on his chest. And I was like, son of a bee, you know. <laughs> So we ended up with four puppies, uh, all the keys, there was another, uh, and the keys were, were shaped, right? There's a triangle one, a square one, penta, hexa, septa, and octagon ones? Yep, so they're like little metal rods, or ornate metal rods, and then attached at the end of each one. Oh, they're like that big? They're like this big. Okay, uh, maybe visually this isn't okay. the best way. So they're like, it's like a three inch long metal rod, it's pretty oh, ornate. I was expecting like a three foot rod. No, 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 and then, mind. well it's... Like a three-inch metal rod, mm-hmm. and then at the end of it, it's like another four inches of crystal, and the crystals are colored differently and shaped differently. But like, I, I what would you call like a cylinder? But it's not a cylinder; it's like like a like a geometric shape. You know what I mean? No. Like how a circle is a cylinder. Yeah. Like a pen, like a square is then a. Oh, they they're called um, something mathy. Certainly. So if you know what that mathy word for that is... So these are like pegs that a child would put to learn yes, their Yes, only made of crystals, and uh, they're just you keys. Don't, you don't have crystals for your kids to play with? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, and they're just they're just supposed to be keys for the various puzzles. And, um, 
And then the next one was the prime numbered one? Yes. So the you got to the next door, and uh, this was like the first part of the vault, uh, which led to the the, uh, the forge. Um, the first, this next door, it was, it, like you guys, I'm sure, expected it to be more, like, musical tone puzzles. Right. And instead it was, uh, a, it was saying how the primes go up and the others go down. Um, and it was, it was three, four, five, six, seven... Eight. Three. Eight. Uh, yeah, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, numbers. And then there were... Those were the sides on the Yeah, those were pegs. the sides on the pegs. And the the answer was to insert the triangle and then the pentagram. Uh, <laughs> the, pentagram. <laughs> the pentagram. The pentagon and then the, the septagon. And then uh, to insert the eight, six, four. Back down. Back down. So and, one going up, one going down. Right. And that would open the door. Which would require knowledge of what prime numbers are. Right, and I don't know if Greg knew that. But you there's, knew that. There's no knowledge math. There's no math int check on my... Should have made me just do a straight int check. That would have been... I got a decent int. Yeah, well, I didn't. I just let you guys have it. Yeah, but Joe certainly knows what prime numbers are. Right on. And uh, so that opened that door, and inside you guys found a ton of uh, really nice armor. Really nice armor that bear... The bears? Boar? Baird? Or has inscribed upon. Has inscribed upon the tone, the tone Stark and Stone sort of maker's mark. Yeah. So, so these, these are these are suits of armor and weapons forged by him personally. Uh, probably just in his spare time mucking around. Like I'm gonna make a sword today. Boop 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 boom sword. Right. Um, Not inherently magical, but I'm told inherently valuable. Yes, terribly valuable because like he's the guy. It's like if in the future we got regressed to a lower level of technology and then like found like Steve Jobs' secret <laughs> vault of goodies and that brought us to a new level of technology His all over vault again. Vault of iPads. <laughs> yeah, and that brought us to a new level of technology and then all of a sudden like you showed up with like yeah these are uh, Apple twos straight out of the, straight out of the box. People Steve Jobs carved these out of stone himself. <laughs> So those are going to be pretty valuable for you guys if you can yeah. find a collector. In uh, fact, I don't even have individually written down what's on there. Just 2,000 gold pieces worth of armor. And weapons. And weapons, yeah. Um, then we just need to sell to some antique dealer. Yep. Um, and that's good. And then we, after the prime number puzzle... At the back of that room, there was another door. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was a kind of a combination of the two puzzles. The first two puzzles. Okay. And so this was... Tones happened, and they were three through eight, and you had to, so it's like they, they lit up, the holes mm -hmm. for the pegs lit up this time, there weren't buttons, and as they lit up, it like it's like this tone goes to this hole, this tone goes right. to that hole, all the way down, and then at the end, a single tone rang out, and that was the one you needed to put the key in. Right, and, you know. And all of these puzzles, if you got it wrong, they, they dealt a shocking... Right. Damage. A level one dosage of electricity. Well, the first one was a, uh, a D4 minus one mm -hmm. of electricity. Rounded up to one. Right. And uh, the next one was one D4 of electrical damage. And the last one was two D4 of electrical damage. Oh. But very surprisingly, you guys just like cruised right through that last one. Right. After the first one, the, the other two were just like, just throw them in. We got this. Yep. In the last puzzle, I think we took a couple. Yeah, points you guys, of did, you guys did take a couple points of damage uh, because uh, you guys kept mixing up eight and five. Yeah, because I'm like, no, it's the one in the middle when I'm dialing down the center. Yeah, that is the that might be the oldest joke we've ever made. Hey, <laughs> take that carrot top, carrot top. If you're listening, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one YouTube comment. It's like, 
Yes, I am character up. I am listening. And you stole my joke. <laughs> you st- Opening the door with the uh, with the carrot top puzzle, <laughs> we found some sort of magic forge and a magic hammer, and exactly the MacGuffin we were looking for. Yep, the you guys found the MacGuffin. Star. There was a, a magic hammer and a anvil that was magical. Um, you didn't have identify; you only had detect magic. Right. So you you felt overwhelming transmutation coming out of these objects, mm-hmm. um, but you weren't sure what they were. In fact, I still don't know what the anvil does. No, you guys don't know what the anvil does. You've figured out what the uh, what the hammer does by now, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, but they have Angrad's symbol kind of carved into them, or like forged, forged into, into them, I guess. So uh, Doc, since Angrad's his god, was just like, out of my way. Like, doesn't care whether this could be a trap or cursed or anything. Just starts picking them up and running out of the room. And now, throughout the dungeon at this point, they had heard, like, tapping coming from a, somewhere. Mm-hmm. And by now, uh, with... Uh, with, uh, jeez, uh, uh, Mikey with his tre- charmer sense and Doc with his, like, just hearing it. And just his, being a dwarf. And just being a dwarf knows that it sounds like someone's tunneling from up above. And mm-hmm. as you may remember from the last podcast, we explained that the uh, College of Sorrow is building a facility above this vault. But, like, they don't really want to build anything here. Right. We this got is the a, impression that they're just to tunnel under to find this. Right. Stuff. They're just after this and no one knows it's here but them. Uh, and apparently these people that are also looking to loot the place. Yeah. Um, so they're pretty close by. You guys go to run out, and that's when the Warforged that you guys fought at the beginning of the first session shows back up. Right, the guy from the bridge. The guy from the bridge with a bunch of cronies, and uh, they do not seem happy. They did not seem happy that you guys had the forge and the hammer. Right, and they attacked you. And we were holding our own pretty well, I'd like to say. Yeah, you guys did very well. Uh, we did find out what the Great Angrad Hammer does. When well, Doc... well, we'll we'll get to that because you guys found that out on the cart. No, because he. It... Oh, that's yeah. right. That's oh, I apologize. That's that's right. When while fighting, uh, Doc decided, well, I'm going to take a swing with my new magic weapon, and it perfectly healed one of the Warforged that was close to death at that. It point. had one hit point, and now I had designed this so it's supposed to allow you to create magical items even if you can't, mm-hmm. and mundane items you can now create in half the time. Okay. Um, and it also syncs up with that anvil you guys lost uh, pretty nicely. Um, but you'll find out about that in the future someday. Um, but it does have a once per day, you can hit a Warforged with this thing. A construct of any variety. Uh, uh, sorry, that's right. A construct of any variety. And it will not only heal them completely and bring them back to their t- total hit points, but it'll give them advantage. And I had originally written it till the end of the day. And then the moment I said that out loud, because I had just like, written this stuff, because yeah. it wasn't a big part of what I was doing. It was just like... They they wouldn't find out what this does till later, um, and you guys went, "Holy shit, we're just gonna we're gonna hit Johnny with that every day." And I went, "Yeah, we are gonna wake up, hit Apollo, Apollo, start taking levels in rogues. So you can get sneak attack damage." Right, and I was like, "Oh, this is a mistake, guys. Sorry, rule zero. Per encounter, per encounter, it's going to give that, um, which I still think is a huge buff. It is." Um, Did we end up getting the hammer? Well, we'll talk about whether well, or not we got the hammer. And yes, you do have the hammer. But did we? We ended up killing Bridge Murdery guy. Yes, uh, you cronies. you killed uh, the Warforged and all of the all of his Warforged, uh, which are going back to fluff a little bit. Uh, the Warforged that you guys fought were just animated armor and flying swords. Hmm. Uh, but none of you were the wiser. It's, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of those things that it's like it, if it looks like a duck and sounds like a duck, it's a Warforged. It can go swimming in bitcoins. Yeah, yeah. Life is like a. You see, we're on YouTube. We're going to get content ID'd <laughs> because of your gorgeous 
pitch perfect rendition of the <laughs> DuckTales theme song. That'll be fair use, right? Yeah, it'll be Absol- fair use. Fair use. Uh, so after killing them, the the college finally well while them. fighting them they, they, you guys hadn't even finished mm-hmm. fighting them and that was when Mikey was trying to like pull the door shut or psychically move it and right. and that was when Phil went did we ever take the keys out of the door and everyone was like did we no they're still in the door so can I just take the keys out of the door and close it maybe <laughs> you can try on your turn right um, but at that point like in the middle of the fight all of a sudden the ceiling caves in in the room behind him and all these ropes start coming down, and these like undead are like pro- rappelling into the room. And uh, you guys were very excited for like a second because uh, this uh, halfling undead creature started like floating into the room with a keytar. And you all thought that it was Sal, the lich bard from our last campaign. It's not, but he, he is related to him. Yeah, way. I would imagine it's his son or whatever. Yeah, you, you told us the dean's name was something slump, which was Sal. Yeah, it's name. it's Sanzibar slump. Sanzibar, yeah, and it is going to be his son. Uh, he's a revenant. Mm-hmm. Which you guys found out last time. Which, because I had like told you, I, I expected you guys to be like, "Oh no, it's that revenant. We cannot fight this guy." And instead, Mikey's like clapping, like, "Oh my god, it's Sal! It's Sal! He's our friend!" And I'm like, "No, he's not your friend. He's your old character's friend. <laughs> Wait, he's never met you guys. He's never met you guys. And oh my god, how evil would I be to give you a lich to fight at level one? Right, at level one. After you stole the stuff he's here to steal. Like, it's not going to go your way. So, uh, that door finally closed. We ended up knocking out all the Warforged, except Dagger, uh, is what it says in the chest of the guy on the bridge, deployed this sort of pod. That it's, it's, called a, it's called a final messenger, and it's something that Warforged, it's a Warforged component, mm-hmm. and what it does is it sends, like, their final thoughts... To, to someone, else. someone else. Oh, see, Greg fully believes that he, like, downloaded his consciousness into this thing. No, no, no. He's dead. Well, that's what Greg thinks. And Joe might know otherwise. Okay. But Greg still thinks that. No, he, he's absolutely dead, but he has sent a message to whoever he's working for or with. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, uh, you guys... Well, everyone but you uh, failed a saving throw where everyone got tangled up in vines. Right. A nice entangle spell from some staff. And the Warforged that we fought with uh, Templeton Radigade mm-hmm. uh, came with the Queen of Thorns, I assume? Uh, not the Queen of Thorns. Olena Redwine? Uh, you guys never found out her name. Oh, did we not? No, you never... I mean, she just... Uh, so, there's a Warforged made of wood that we had talked about a little bit last time. Uh, it looks like there's, like, thorns and leaves and twigs, like, mm-hmm. growing off its wooden components. And another one showed up. Uh, this one looks... Built like it was in the shape of a, a female and, as opposed to a male, like all the other ones you guys have encountered. And this one had a big staff, looks like it was made of like twisted vines right. with thorns, and at the top is a crystal in the shape of, of, of a rose blossom. Um, and she's got roses growing in what would be hair, but it's right. like thorny vines, um, just like the other one has right, right. thorny vines for hair. And uh, it's used its staff, uh, which is a really cool magical item. If you guys ever happen across that again, it uh, allows you to. Cast uh, Entangle and Spike Growth. At the same time? At the same time. Ooh. So, it not only do you entangle foes with it, but then you can choose to make Spike Growth happen as a free action. Excellent, excellent. Which then, so you can tie people up, or you can do Spike Growth, and like, so you can have them tied up, and the spikes, so they're now entangled in this right. dealing damage over time. In this torture device of, yeah. uh, of ruin and terribleness. But... So, and 
flavor te- and just a little fluff as it's thorns that are now growing out of the vines. As right. As opposed to just normal spikes. And she wanted the hammer and the anvil. Yep. And after some communication, being the only person not entangled, I'm like, okay, you can have the anvil. We don't even know what it does yet anyway. What's the yep. worst that could happen? Doc, Doc was very insistent that we need to try and like trick her with like, let me go and uh, we'll talk about it. And it's like, no, man. She started like having spikes grow out of here and you guys started taking like damage. You don't have a lot of hit points. Yeah, we are not in a position of strength. I'm going to go get that anvil and turn it in. Yeah. And here you go. Uh, but just in time for the college, the... Yeah, they were breaking through the door from the other side. Break through the door. And it seems that these Warforged didn't want to deal with them. So they tell... So uh, the male Warforged that you guys had fought before, he kind of panicked and... Uh, and got out of Dodge. Yeah, grabbed her, grabbed the anvil, and teleported out of there. Um, and they got rid of the spike growth, uh, distracted them briefly, because I assume they were looking for the seven-pointed star. You're not sure. I think I am short because I minor illusioned a That's right. No, you are. That's right. And threw it there, threw it through the little hole they had made. That's right. So I, I stole a sunstone early. Everyone in the party has dark vision. So, yeah. Or Trevor sense. Yeah. So I don't understand why I thought I needed a sunstone, but I'm glad well, I you did. Have, you have two. Yep. Uh, those are the sun rods. Oh, that's right. You have two sun rods and you like pried a sunstone yeah, out of the wall. Yeah, pried a sunstone out of the wall. That was like being used as like movie theater. This is the lighting, way the exit yeah. lights. And I had minor illusioned it to look like the artifact that I had stolen. That's right. Now as they were prying the door open, you got you threw it back in. I had originally minor illusioned it because I thought the Warforged wanted it. Yep. And I'm like, this might come in handy. Uh, and made a big show of putting it in my pocket and all that. And then they bolted, and there's now a hole in the wall. I'm like, eh, what's the worst that could happen? Chuck that through there. And they're like, oh, yay, we found it. Except I assume the Revenant... Uh, was like, nope, that's and not it. Now that you've reminded me, the Revenant did say, as you guys were like hightailing out of there, that's not it, you idiots. It's right. an illusion. And uh, you guys ran out of the ran out of the temple, ran out of the vault, ran right through the sewers and got out of there just to find... We found our Oriana, our half-dwarven, half-elf wheelman. <laughs> Pretty much, wheelman. Uh, driving the cart, <laughs> saving she, lives. She driving the cart, and we go out to see the city... Pretty much looked like a full scale or a very minor scale. One of in the middle of those two things. The go- the goblin like encampment village situation yeah. is like in flames. There's a riot going on. Warforged are coming out of airships. The cops are coming. The cops airships. The uh, the undead like people of the uh, College of Sorrows are like attacking the Warforged and the goblins. Yeah, now. goblins are fighting. Warforged are fighting. Warforged are fighting. Cops are fighting. Undead are fighting. Zombies so it's just fighting all hell has broken loose in the city of Three Hills. Like, we have the the magic artifact that we were. What was it? A thousand each uh, gold pieces. Yeah, to get this thing. well, each of you except Doc. Right, because Doc offered to do this just in memory of of his his friend of his friend. Um. So that's a thousand each for us. We've got the two thousand uh, gold pieces worth of arms and armor from Tone Stark and Stone. So we had a decent payday, uh, and now we are headed to Lemonster. Uh, yes, uh, because she doesn't. Uh, Oriana is not convinced that sticking around in the city of Three Hills is a good idea. She hightailed it out of there once you guys got on on the the wagon. Yeah, and was like, "We're going to Lemonster, this bordering kingdom, sort of to the west." Yes, and uh, you guys, which Lemonster Mass is a city. Uh, that everyone Lemonster thinks... Mass is a town. <laughs> All right, Lemonster Mass is a town in Massachusetts that everyone thinks is called Leominster. Uh, so if you ever come out here, be prepared for some confusion. So it's a real place, but like we've said about the Suffering Coast, every place around here is based on something in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So they're on their way there. Uh, there's another... I keep calling it the Adventures League, but that's not the what... Explorers it, the Explorers League. Uh, the Explorers League is like the guild that Doc belongs to, and who knows, maybe you'll all end up belonging to it, but there's another like guild hall there that you guys are on your way to, so you can get that payday. Um, because like hanging around the City of Three Hills, like you guys are probably wanted by someone for something. Maybe not by the cops, but definitely by the undead revenant guy that's watched you make off with the stuff he's after. Oh, almost uh, certainly he is hot on our trails. And then, also, but the good news... And you got the Warforged that you killed, and then the other Warforged that wanted the hammer too. Right, that teleported out. That teleported but out. But the good news about the undead college is that revenants are well known to just like let things go. They're like, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, let's let bygones be bygones. Water under the bridge. Well known truth about revenants. I, I feel like maybe the opposite is true. And so then you guys are you're riding down the highway. You all leveled up. You took identify, <laughs> so you can figure out what the hammer does. Um, you haven't figured out what the seven point star does. You didn't identify that. Oh, I didn't even know it was a magical artifact. I yeah, when you when a... you did detect magic, you were getting uh, magic. Oh yeah, a sense of magic like, off of it, but you couldn't tell some what thing, school universalist of... school kind of thing. Yeah, and um, and at that point, something else happened. You don't remember. Uh, at that point, an uh, airship from the College of Sorrow oh, yeah. uh, started gaining on you guys, and they've clearly sent some people after you, and that's where we cut it. Right, so we're now in this nice chase scene, mm-hmm. uh, blimp versus Oregon Trail covered wagon, and going off to the west. See where this takes us. Thought the adventure was great. I thought the puzzles were nice. I wish we had done the sort of all of the combat from last weekend this week sort of combined. And that was the that was the plan obviously. Yeah. We wasted a lot of time in the first session. So, I originally intended to do this all as one big thing. Right. And I think it would have been amazing the idea of having the door sort of instead of it being a puzzle or a riddle or a key situation, having it be a combat encounter. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. I don't know that I've ever thought of doing it that way. Like, obviously, there are rooms you walk into and Legend of Zelda gates come across until right. you kill everything in the room. But the idea that to get into the dungeon, other people are trying to get into this dungeon, too. Mm-hmm. It definitely felt like we had a much bigger time constraint, mostly because of that, uh, which I think was awesome. Uh, we were very much not, let's spend every minute of every second, you know, looking for hidden chests or what have you. Which, which I thought was great. Uh, of the two hidden tre- treasure chests... You found one. Yes. So, I mean, and by hidden, I mean one was buried under some rubble, like halfway, and the other one was in plain sight, but right. no one looked around. Nobody looked for that one. I thought that the, it, was, it seemed very atmospheric inside the Stark and Stone lab, mm-hmm. that, you know, everything sort of lit up by these sort of sunstones, and it seemed dark and abandoned, which was nice. I really liked that. Um, and then the, okay... It's not like Starkenstone set up traps or anything. Now, obviously, the dogs were kind of a trap riddle puzzle thing right. altogether. Like, uh, originally, I intended, like, if you hadn't figured out that, like, you had one shot at guessing what your authentication number is, uh, which I expected Johnny to ask a lot of questions about, like, because his character doesn't remember anything mm-hmm. from when he was, like, found in a cave, like, anything prior to that. Right. So I expected him to be like, wait, why do I have an authentication code? here in this place. I expected him to like start asking questions as to why these things identify him as their master. Right. Um, 
And he didn't ask any of those questions. So after he listened to this podcast, because I know he listens, <laughs> I expect all those questions shortly you after. get text messages and text messages. Dude, I didn't even think of that. I just thought, cool, I have dogs. Uh, I but dogs. I, I did, I I did expect that you wouldn't, that he wouldn't guess that. Um, because, like, what, what are the odds that it's just his serial number? Right, I would not have said, oh, my character would not have said, yeah, it's Gregory, duh. Uh, right, odds. exactly. And uh, I expect you guys to have to kill the dogs to uh, get the rods out of their heads. It's an interesting sentence that I don't think <laughs> anyone else has ever said before. If anyone has uh, played the uh, Forgotten Forge at the end of uh, the Eberron campaign setting, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> so, I thought it was really cool that the combat came from outside of the, the lab. Mm-hmm. That is people breaking in two. Like, obviously, there's this valuable thing everybody knows about. We're first-level characters. We don't have an elaborate spy network to tell us about valuable right. stuff. Other people are trying to grave rob this thing, too. Uh, so the idea that the the combat came from outside was awesome, but the riddles and puzzles and sort of security came from inside, I thought was pretty awesome. Because so many times you walk into a dungeon and... Now there's skeletons! Right, and the people who built the dungeon have set up goblins and skeletons and traps and puzzles and riddles and it's like... No, this was like where this guy worked and he was just, okay you need to the security key to get into this next room because this is like a secure area, but other than that there's not like pressure plates, there's not like weird swinging death balls and blades and what have you. Right, which I it's thought, just like, this is where he lives, you know? Yeah, I think that really added to the experience of we are going into a place that used to have a purpose. Hmm. Right, so many times I struggle with trying to find out why would this room have existed in this dungeon? And something as simple as this was a temple where he prayed to his god and this is the this is his kitchen and these are his barracks. Uh, I do have to ask, there were a couple tunnels that were collapsed that we didn't look into because of that. If you guys place. hadn't been... Like, I had kind of, like, had to set up a timetable. There were some other areas that you guys could have checked out um, that if you had cleared the rubble, but mm-hmm. instead you guys did a long rest thing. Yeah. So you wouldn't have had time to clear any of that or go check it out. But the idea is that there were other rooms beyond. And What I what I liked about them is even if the rubble were un- impassable, it seemed like we were in a bigger structure than mm-hmm. we needed to be. Uh, the, you know, than the content you had produced and... I just think that was cool. I didn't even want to check there because I thought, man, this is my DM metagaming. This is such <laughs> a weird way to metagame. It's like, oh, he probably there's probably nothing down there. It's just a cool thing he added to make it seem like we're in a bigger complex. The huge, we, yeah, the huge are. industrial complex. But these six hallways just happened to be caved in. Womp womp. Right. Um, but it still seemed like we were in an actual ruin that that I really enjoyed. Really enjoyed the adventure. Glad you enjoyed it. All around. Can't wait to see what's happening in Lemonster and what kind of cool stuff I can buy there. Uh, this is a fairly metropolitan city, right? Um, in our world. In your world, it's it's not as big as like the city of Three Hills. No. It's like not a huge metropolitan area. It's like a city... It's, it's like a small... I'm, I'm trying to find the right word. Like, it's a... You know, it's a moderate-sized city, but mm-hmm. it's, like, relatively small compared to what you're all used to. We can probably find most common magic stuff and, and, you'll, arms you'll, and armor, but... You guys will be able to find standard 
items yeah. for sale. You'll be able to find standard magical services for sale. But uh, nobody has a rod of wonder. No, no <laughs> one has know. a rod of wonder. Uh, the, I'm going to have a list of things that the Explorers League has for sale through them. Yep. Um, for you guys to look through and go like, these are the items that they specifically have. Okay. Uh, but other than that, like you guys probably, there's not going to be, you're not going to like flip through the, DMG, DMG and be like, hey, I'm looking for like this bag of tricks. Yeah, they don't have one. Why not? Because this is well, like you don't have one. Because why, why should they? Because the Kingdom of Lemonster grows lemons and makes like lemoncello for like a normal industry. Like, they don't. They, they don't have a use for that. <laughs> right. So can't wait to see what's going on, and I'm sure all our listeners won't be uh, able to wait to see, to hear, to hear. Yes. Patreon is a voluntary subscription service. It's a place where you can support the creators you like. Creators like us, who bring you the Deck of Many Things, the Gemhammer podcast, and now local adventuring personality, Trunk Stag Battler. For the month of September, anyone who supports the Patreon will get a free PDF download of five hirelings to take with them on their own D&D campaigns. Remember, you need real adventuring experience that you can trust. And we want to make more better game stuff. So subscribe to us on Patreon, where the more better game stuff gets paid for. It, it paid, paid, Patreon for. Paid Treon for. Give today. I don't know how that was. So, maybe let's play it back. And again, a big thank you to our sponsors and our patrons, because that's the Patreon plug. Woo, patrons! So we're here to talk about Stranger Things. Stranger and Things. Before I go, uh, before we begin, Stranger Things is a Netflix series. Yep. Currently, uh, it's an eight-season, eight-episode first season. Yep. It's been set up for season two. It excellent. Uh, and it just came out a couple months ago, right? Yeah. So I'm sort of late on the on the ball <laughs> for Stranger Things, uh, but I want to let people know. That there will be spoilers for the entire season, season one here. Yes. And after we are done talking about Stranger Things, we won't talk about anything else. We will cut the podcast immediately after we're done talking about Stranger Things. So if you have not watched Stranger Things... You, you, would you, like, you may just want to stop listening. Yeah, and you would like a spoiler-free experience, just go to the next one. You know, go, go to the next podcast and uh, we will talk to you guys later. So bye, those wonderful internet people. Are they gone? Let's give them a bit more. A bit more time. Is it, is it just us? Is it just us? Just people, us. People who've seen Stranger Things? Like, everyone's seen Stranger Things. Okay. I, some... Until yesterday, I had not watched Stranger Things. Fair enough. So, I did just binge Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Now, I watched it when it first came out, so... Like, it's not as fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. but I have seen it, so... Yeah, I also watched all eight episodes within the last 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, so you're probably going to be a little more up on, like, little little minutia details. Little minute details. I want to know first, because I sort of have all my notes that I was taking, uh, what are your sort of broad strokes impressions of Stranger Things? Uh, one of my immediate impressions was this feels like movies and TV from when I was a kid. Like, I'm not sure what it is, it just like, it just, 
the fact that it took place in the mid 80s i mean i wasn't born until the late 80s but the point is is that it's like the things that were around and the culture that existed when i was a small child this is what it looked and felt like and i don't know how to explain that exactly just the things in the world, the colors, the way people dressed, the way people talked, the way just things were. The way they smoked inside, the way yes. wood paneling on everything. <laughs> I mean, when whenever they showed the inside of, um, oh, what is the kid, the little dungeon master, what is his name? Mike. Mike. Yeah, uh, I just immediately like thought, like, Grandma's house? Is this, is this my Grandma's house? <laughs> like, where are we? Um, I remember I watched a couple episodes with Phil uh, last night before he left. And I'm like, and it's one of the very first episodes, and the police chief, uh, before we know he's the police chief, mm-hmm. uh, wakes up, goes outside, has a cigarette, sort of overlooks the, the lake he's on. And I turn to Phil, like, this is so unrealistic. If this is really 1983, he'd be smoking inside. Yeah, he wouldn't and have then, stepped outside to have a cigarette. And then he walks into the police station with a lit cigarette <laughs> yeah. in his mouth. Uh, so definitely feels like, like, the, like 80s. the 80s. Yeah. Um... The other big thing that kind of struck me was, as far as the D&D stuff goes, it was very topsy-turvy for me in that, like, this was a time period when people were blaming D&D for, like, kids becoming Satanists and violence and Mm -hmm. human sacrifice and suicides in the same way that they try to blame video games nowadays. Right. So it's almost a little... I can't think of the word... Um jarring juxtaposition there's an interesting juxtaposition is yeah, that what you mean yeah. to say there's an interesting juxtaposition where this is a time when people are like D&D is bad and makes kids do violent things and here's a bunch of kids like kids not teenagers like kids playing D&D and then immediately get embroiled in this like real world semi-violent adventure that's happening in their town with missing kids and, and it almost seemed almost like a metaphor where like the whole town is like a kid got killed and it's and at first when I was watching it is any of this really happening or is this like happening in the kids minds like to try and make sense of that their friend is dead can i just say i was sure it was that second thing until episode 8 yes i was the season finale i thought okay but right before that Sort of I thought Eleven was in Mikey's mind yeah. to kind of like make up, like, because he couldn't find his friend, but he found someone. Right, he found a new friend. He found a new friend. Who doesn't and, speak much. Right. You know, the the whole thing just seemed like this was in their heads. Slowly but surely, we have four different characters who sort of get in on this is a real thing that's actually happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's Will's friend Mike. Mm-hmm. Mikey. I don't remember which one they really call him. Uh, there's his mom. Mm-hmm. Then there's the police chief, and then there's the brother. Yeah. And the brother and uh, Mike's sister. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, she crawls through the tree into the alternate reality, right. Shadow World, into Ravenloft, if you will. But each time... <laughs> Shadowfell. Each time, it's like, Mike is the dungeon master, and he finds... And, and the universe he's constructed to deal with his, uh, his friend, uh, Will, dying, is oh, there's this big adventure and somebody needs to solve it and we need to work as a team because he is a D&D player. Yeah. And then there's the mother who's like, no, I can still feel him. I can still talk to him. The Christmas lights are speaking to me. Yeah. And then there's the cop who used to be a big city cop and moved you know, into the, the small town where this is set, Hawkins, Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. 
and he, immediately looks at the big corporation. And, and he finds this big government conspiracy, mm-hmm. and there's a huge corporation. And then the uh, the brother finds this super attractive young lady who's very popular who now wants to help him go on this adventure. Yeah. If this had ended with and with sort of understanding that no no he's really dead this is just how these four people you know, are crazy coming to terms people yeah are coping with it i thought this would have been a really really good show i mean it's still a good show i disagree wholeheartedly really i do not like stranger things holy shit yeah this is the this is the feat this is the sort of double turn here wow where where people are like okay connor's the good guy now and joe, <laughs> and, and joe's evil I think I want to. I mean, I, to be fair, I, I'm I'm with you as far as I genuinely believed that where the show was going was that here are four people very closely related to the murder or the the death of whatever happened to this small yeah. boy, and here's people in the town that are directly affected by it. The cop responsible for finding him, the mother, the friend, the brother, like all going a little crazy, and this is how they're coming to terms with this terrible thing in their life. I absolutely believed that's what was happening in this show. And then when that... No, it's real. There really is a monster. There really is another world. This girl has psychic powers. There is an evil conspiracy. There is a big corporation paying off the state police. It was a little like, huh. Yeah, not what I would have expected. I do want to say, I think the acting is great. Even the Mm. kids... Oh, the uh, kids are phenomenal. ...do an excellent job acting. The direction is amazing. What is it? The Duffer Brothers, I want to say? I believe so. Uh, is great. The lighting, the set design, like we talked about, is great. The soundtrack, amazing. Absolutely. Um, I just don't care. So, I don't care about the characters. I don't care about the situation. It got a little interesting when it's like, okay, these are crazy people coping, but that's immediately dashed, like, you know, six minutes in to, to the sixth episode or whatever, when it's like, okay, now we're all talking together and we can put the pieces of this puzzle together. Hmm. And I guess that's kind of okay, that you have individual characters all finding individual pieces of this puzzle and bringing them together, but the big boogeyman didn't look scary or real. Even mm-hmm. the evil corporation I find is is one dimensional. It's weird. Evil corporation. Yeah, because doing evil corporation things. When Eleven, when it became clear that Eleven and the Doctor have this sort of father daughter relationship, mm-hmm. you could have done something really awesome there. Instead, the monster eats the evil mad scientist who we just think is evil yeah. at the end of the day. You could have had something, some real paternal moment there and given this character some death before just offing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it was pretty established before then that he didn't care about her as a right. father and that he was using that feeling she had for him to right. control her. I think that was very clear. Yes, I agree that it's very clear. I just disagree with the decision to do that. Because it makes the evil corporation government conspiracy thing just an evil corporation government conspiracy thing, right? Mm. I get no depth out of these uh, these villains. But I mean, they don't really go into why they're doing this or what they're all about. Right. I mean, I mean, they're researching it and blah blah blah. But I think a lot of this is through the eyes of these kids, even even the older kids, even the brother. You know, right? They're still teenagers. They're still teenagers. You know, so I I definitely feel that not having that information is thematically appropriate. You know, not being able to see the the depth of what they're doing and what they're about and the morally ambiguous nature of their research because this is through the eyes of children, mm-hmm. you know, who are only going to see them as they're the bad guys, we're the good guys, and then there's a monster. 
I can't say I didn't much care for the, the story, but I am still going to watch at least the first few episodes of season two when it comes out. Okay. I will give this another chance. Fair enough. Um, and I don't want a big twist now, that they were all crazy or whatever. I'm willing to give the story as written another chance to, to extrapolate and continue. Now, when did it lose you in that last episode when it became clear that this is not just crazy people like coming I to think... terms with something in their lives? Or... Like, did it have you hooked all the way up until that moment, or did you did it lose you, like, halfway through? It, it lost me. It took me such a hard time to get invested in these characters, right? Really? Because Even the kids? The kids, I was, like, invested in immediately. The kids, the only thing that I really saw as an actual conflict mm-hmm. with actual, like, here's something concrete that these people can do about it is Nancy, the Mike's sister... And, like, the relationship she has with her best friend, and she's dating a much cooler guy now. And that that got me wrapped in immediately. I'm like, okay. this is cool. This is an 80s teen comedy movie thing. I could get behind this. Yeah. This is this is, this is an candles. Ep- this is an episode of Saved by the Bell. Right. I like this. I like Saved by the Bell. Why, uh, why is Zach hanging out with Screech? It doesn't make sense. But then, I think all of that that I liked about that story is immediately washed away by what actually happens. Where her friend Barb dies, mm-hmm. even though for some reason, Wall uh, Will sorry, Wall Will is in the the Upside Down for a month before Barbara goes there, and then she's killed immediately. But Will gets to stay alive and just have a snake in his mouth. I don't understand that. Well, he did have a gun, and he was hiding and running around That's hiding. True. She uh, lost her glasses, wasn't able to like. It wasn't quick. It wasn't this savage like. Like leaping, it was not right. an alien. It's not the alien from Aliens, you know. It's not a xenomorph. Like it's very slow and lethargic and right. attack. And the fact that she was stuck at the bottom of this pool, she had a lot of time to get out of there, right? And didn't because she doesn't have her glasses on. She can't see where she's going. She's tripping. She's That's falling. Reasonable. I, I, I can. I think that a quick that kid with a gun sprinting through this place, going from cubbyhole to cubbyhole, has a much better chance than a half-blind person stuck at the bottom of a well going, where is everyone? Just help me! Making lots of noise, you know? I also think it was only like the second to last episode where it became clear that the the sort of the upside down, Mm -hmm. uh, which we see from... (laughs) Shadowfell? Which we see from Will's perspective, we see from Barb's perspective from time to time. Uh is actually just the world we live in, mm-hmm. just darker and more ominous and evil. Mm-hmm. Because especially when they put send the um, the research guy in the evil government corporate conspiracy lab, yeah. they send him through with the tether, I never got the idea that, oh, this is just the same town that they were in. And maybe it's because it happened way early in the season. Sure. Um, but going back to the Nancy story, it's like, okay, and that's cool... And the nice boyfriend asshole that she was with ends up being a good guy who saves the day and is immediately redeemed. And he gets to be okay with Jonathan, the brother character, because she gives him a camera. It's like that all seemed to be wrapped up in a neat little bow way too early. Yeah. And then... I, I, I can see that. Yeah. And I understand Eleven, you you want to have this as, a, as an actual story, and she's a compelling character, and she's mm-hmm. sort of a linchpin to all of this. But... What is it about movies that won't keep characters dead? I don't get it. It's I understand there's sort of this Christ analog where, oh, they come back. But Star Trek Into Darkness, Superman v. Batman, this. Some character gives this heroic, I'm going to give my life so that others may live 
when Eleven kills the monster, and then she gets Chinese food and Eggo waffles from the cop at the end of the Christmas party. In this box that's clearly been set up for this purpose, that is empty, so it's clear that she's been getting this food. Why give... Why have her die if you are just going to bring her back to life ten minutes later? I don't understand why movies do this. Uh, and that trope, which is a lot more common recently, it seems. like Also, they... it's harder to kill a kid on camera. Right, but the way they killed the kid on camera was fine. She disintegrated, I guess. It, you know, it wasn't gory and gruesome. Mm-hmm. I did, I, I'm not saying I want to see this little girl's head rolling down the street. Right, okay. I just want her sacrifice to be valuable mm-hmm. and her return to be worth it, right? Think um, Wrath of Khan, Star Trek movie Wrath of Khan. Yep. Wrath of Khan. Spock sacrifices himself to save the Enterprise crew. And he is given a funeral and he's sent in that like sunglasses case out into, <laughs> out into space. And he is gone for a movie. That way, the next movie, when Spock comes back, it's like, great, Spock's back. Mm-hmm. When the Wrath of Khan remake Into Darkness came out, Kirk is back in that movie. Batman v Superman, sure, Clark Kent dies, but then he's clearly not dead at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. This, this is an eight-hour movie, essentially. That's how a sort of Netflix series works. Within the same episode... You have a character die and come back to life. I just can't wait for the diner guy to come back. That's what I'm, that's what I'm waiting for. The triumphant return of diner guy. That's not happening. I believe his name might have been Benny. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, be- I believe that is the case. But I do want to talk a little bit about... I, I personally yeah. felt like with the way that she died and then it was revealed that she was going to come back, it, it, it kind of... And maybe this is just reaching a little bit, mm-hmm. but it felt a little bit like... I don't know if you've ever seen Akira or read the graphic novels. I haven't. Uh, so this is a, a Japanese manga and anime, and it's... This is the wolf one? No. This okay. is... Uh, this is so, like, in the past, there was, like, this kid with, like, incredible psychic powers, and they were researching him, and eventually it was revealed he was so powerful. You think this is a stretch? It's probably not a stretch. Um, he was so powerful that, like, they had to, like, kill him and, like, cut him up into pieces and, like, keep the pieces frozen and separated. Okay. Because that's how, because they were afraid he's coming back. And the story is actually not initially about him. It's about these other characters in the world, and one of them starts to develop the same psychic powers, and people trying to control him and capture him, and that leads to Akira coming back. And for some reason, maybe it just like hit that same with the, the kid with psychic powers. Oh, yeah. It kind of felt the same way, where, yes, the, she was actually killed, but because of her powers, she's almost like coming back another way, and maybe it's a little unclear. And I wonder if in the second season we'll see something like that, where she's alive, air quotes. I'm doing air quotes. You can't right. see that. Internet, they could but, hear it. You inflected uh, air quotes. You know, she's alive, but, you know, she's not alive in the way that we're thinking that she's alive. And, or, but maybe that will change or maybe there's something about the other side that we don't know mm-hmm. about in terms of death and rebirth and things like that. It seemed like a hook to get me interested in season two. Right? Mm-hmm. But then you have that scene where Will, uh, the kid who had been in the Upside Down, yep. uh, excuses himself from dinner and coughs up like a worm thing and then he's briefly in that world and then shoots back when he's in the bathroom mm-hmm. that's all I needed to to if they hadn't if they hadn't done the 11 might be alive still thing with the with the cop and the in the Christmas party and instead had just done that scene with the bathroom I would have mm-hmm. been okay 
let's see what's going on here. Maybe this could go I, I think awesome. that they probably tested it and 11 was so popular that they felt they couldn't get away. That's with, reasonable. You know, I mean, that makes sense to me. But I do think it's an interesting break-in trope when uh, Barb dies. Mm-hmm. When Barb gets eaten by this monster thing. Because, like, you've seen 80 ho- 80s horror movies. Yeah. If... Wonderful internet people. If you were ever an attractive young lady in an 80s horror movie... Um, and you're having sex? Yeah. Keep your pants on. That is the only way you're getting out of this movie yeah. alive. The popular girl having sex should have been the one to die in that scene. But instead, instead, it's the sort of abstinent, morally righteous, let's just get out of here. I, But even after I want to get out of this party, let's go... I'm not going back to my car and going home. I'm going to stay right here and wait for my friend. To make sure she's okay. To make sure she's okay. And get her home safe. And that's what kills her. Yeah. And I think that was an amazing break-in trope. It caught me there. I was was really close to going, I will just talk about how much I don't like this this, uh, series. (laughs) I'll be like, hey man, I tried. This is probably not going to be all that interesting. But I watched five episodes. It was terrible. Uh but that that hooked me to okay. I will see how this ends mm-hmm. because if you're going to break that trope, I can't wait to see what more you do. Um, I am really surprised that that ruined it for you. The, uh, no, sorry, that, that I'm really surprised that like you're not more into this. Yeah, I just I think it's maybe the the length I waited and seeing people at Comic Con cosplaying as it and whatnot. I think... See, I, I watched the last four episodes separate... I mean, sorry, the last three episodes separately mm-hmm. from the first... Five. Five? Yeah, I don't know why that math was hard for me. I right think that's there. exactly what I did, too. I watched five last night and three this morning. I, I, but I watched them, like, a week apart, and I wonder if, like... So I had kind of built it up in my mind as, this is crazy people, yeah, and this is how they're dealing with this intense loss in their life. Um, you know, this, this abused, the other right, this abused mother... Um, this this cop that lost a child that you know is, is kind of like struggling to to keep with it. You know these kids, um, the brother that was abused. You mm-hmm. know it makes perfect sense that that's what's going on. And I wonder if because this was like like you had also developed that same idea. That's what's happening here. Right. And it was immediately confronted. It was with, immediately shut down. It was immediately shut down. I wonder only... if that's what killed it for you. Because I had that same feeling at first, mm-hmm. but then had like a week to recover and jump back in and go, no, it's cool. I love this. Yeah. The, sort of the bad thing about how Netflix does it. And uh, where they, here's the whole season, watch it all now. Mm-hmm. I remember when House of Cards season three came out, mm-hmm. I... It came out on a Friday at noon. So, and then what would that have been? Uh, 18 hours later, I was judging a debate tournament. And this is 10, season, 10 episodes. So it's 10 hours long. It's 18 hours later. I had to extricate myself from conversations because I didn't want spoilers. And I had seen the first eight episodes. <laughs> and I've gone back and watched House of Cards, a Netflix series that I very much enjoy. And watching an individual episode is more enjoyable without binging it through. Yeah. At least for me. Um, so I, I would agree. Um, so maybe I will give Stranger Things a, a, another shot. It's a very interesting story. I don't want people to think that I'm the guy who hates Stranger Things. But yeah. how the internet works is, at the end of the day, I will be the one who wanted to see Eleven uh, with her head rolling down, <laughs> rolling down the street. Even though he explicitly said that is not what he wants. I do want to talk a little bit about because the reason we are talking about this on a D&D is podcast... Is because the D&D... And the reason I thought 
having never seen it, and I've been trying to avoid spoilers entirely, mm. I knew that there was something about a wall with, with letters, mm -hmm. which kind of ruined it for me. It's my own fault. I didn't see it immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that there... Because every time I would talk about D&D &D with people, you know, because I talk about D&D &D all the time, they'd be like, oh, you should watch Stranger Things. And the guys we play with have all seen it. They bring up D&D &D in the kids' stories, like, twice. Yeah. That might be the most infuriating thing about it, is everyone's like, oh, it's D&D. &D. They're great D&D &D people. I think that I think the part of it is is that it's like, almost like, if you know anything about D&D, &D, especially from that time period, everything that these kids are doing and everything going on in their world is almost like this stark metaphor for D&D. Or that D&D &D is like a stark metaphor for what's mm -hmm. happening. Uh, you know, that's when you get Ravenloft. That's when you got the Shadowfell. You know, you've got right. kind of these mirror, these dark mirror worlds as a common trope in the genre. Uh, these kids, they're coming to terms. You know, they're calling the monster the Demogorgon. You know, yeah. they're coming to terms with what's happening. This fantastical event that couldn't possibly be real but is. And they're using D&D &D to do it. I think that's why people are like, oh, D&D. &D. I don't yeah. think it's because, like, every episode they sit down and play a game. Right, and I am i didn't know what to expect, frankly. Mm -hmm. The fact that it was so adult-centric wasn't common. I had no idea that was going to be it. Because mm -hmm. the first thing I saw was kids sitting down playing D&D. &D. And obviously that was to establish the character who would get it. And to be it. perfectly honest, if this was eight episodes of kids in the 80s sitting around playing D&D, &D, I'd watch that. Oh, I'd love it. Yeah, I'd, it, like, a bunch of kids sitting around playing, like, second... It's, uh, Second edition basic, I think. They get the blue book. Yeah. You know, if they're sitting around just playing that, I probably would watch that too. Right. But I wanted more D&D &D out of the kids, I guess. Yeah. I, I do agree that, like, if they had done it a couple more times, right. that would have, like, cemented that yeah, they're, this is how they're... four times in eight episodes as opposed to two times in eight episodes, I would have been... But I think the only two times were when Mike was saying, we need to go find Will... Remember, he could have cast protection, but instead he cast a fireball at the Demogorgon, mm -hmm. right? And the Demogorgon is like a demon king. It's not something that one fireball is ever going to defeat. But right. instead of protecting himself, he tried to do something for the good of the whole party. He cares about us. We need to care about him. Uh, and the other time they're having, it's when the three kids are really having their fighting moments where um, Lucas, is that the? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Lucas is is yelling at Mike about, Oh, you only care about Eleven now, you know, and, and she's not part of this group and protecting her isn't as important as finding Will or, or I think they may have found Will's body already. Um, that was after they found Will's body. Yeah, his body that's full yeah. of stuffing. That was when, just a brief tangent, that was when I was sure that these are just the insane fantasies of these people. Because yeah. why would the CIA do that? If they have the ability to make a dummy that looks that convincing, right. why not put it on some dead kid's body that you pulled out of nowhere uh but moving on uh and they're having that little fight and dustin comes in with the remember we were on this the, the bridge and we need to work together just like we did then two more of those in those there, there were more uh when she was uh when 11 was trying to explain where mike was and she went over to the to the the, the D, &D board. board and she flipped it over and it was, like, pointing to the black on the other side. And, like, trying to show them this was, like, a flip side. Mm -hmm. Like, a mirror world of the world they're in. If this is their world that they're in, it's over here. I don't know that that's uh, necessarily... The, the reason I differentiate that from the other ones is that it's not the kids using what they've learned or, or experienced through D&D as that sort of juxtaposition against the, the sort of D&D See, I evil. disagree, because this is her using their D&D &D board... 
in the same way that they're referring to their game as a metaphor for their real life and showing this is where he is this is where we gotta go to get him back from you know and while they don't really understand what's going on with that right uh it's very clear that she's she's using the same metaphor that they're using and she knows in their minds that's how Hmm. i never i did not read the i didn't read the scene that way okay and maybe you're right what we know about Eleven is that the real world is confusing to her, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't know that you have to pay for food at restaurants. So the idea that, oh, this is a and d board and people play Dungeons & Dragons on this. And if I flip it over, that will indicate that it's underneath. It didn't seem... It seemed like it could have been a Monopoly board or a Risk board. The AV club science teacher guy? Yeah. Very weird. It seemed like... I mean, I'm not sure what you know of AV Club science teacher guys, but uh, I real I love that character because he reminded me of uh, my high school chemistry teacher, uh, who just straight up was like that. I, I had a study period in his class, and he just let us play chess and goof around and stuff, mm-hmm. and he was like, very like the nerds are going to come down here, and they're going to play chess, and that's just fine. <laughs> and, and like... It just like that. There's there's one of those in every school, man. Right. Like he's not weird. That's just what they're like. No, no I'm not. I'm not saying that he's a a weird person. I think the character was an odd addition. I think it's nice to give the kids sort of an adult. Also, didn't work no at the rough. funeral or the wake or whatever they had the conversation with with the professor about like alternate realities and stuff. Yeah, that was the the flea and the acrobat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I mean, well, I guess that's not really D and D, is it? No, no. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's you know they're that was in fact a terrible terrible explanation of the uh, many worlds interpretation no, of the right. Heisenberg uncertainty. It, it is absolutely terrible. Um, but for all I know, that was the best scientific information we had in 1983. That's that's probably the case. Also, he's this is like small town nowhere, right? And he, he's like the AV club teacher, though. Interestingly, knows exactly how to make a sensory deprivation chamber. I mean, that guy lived through the 60s. <laughs> so, I mean... It just seemed like the character was just there to give them information about science in a way that a textbook could have done the same thing. Though I guess that's boring to watch on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but where the kids had a lot of enemies, you know, it was good to have the one adult that, like, just took everything the kids were... that Yeah, the kids that were saying to him at face value... And mm-hmm. just like gave them whatever they needed or thought that they needed yeah. at the time. Lots, lots of movies that like, you know, kids on an adventure have that going on. Yeah, you know? I, I don't know that it's terrible to have it be that guy. It just seemed like that the Harry Potter movies. It seems like every time we're in a class learning a spell, mm-hmm. it's exactly what they're going to need later to solve a problem to kill the Voldemort. It seemed like that. Every time he showed up, it was to tell them something critically important, right? Here's the brand new audiovisual ham radio stuff, and you could definitely use it to talk to your dead friend. Bye. Here, have some fun with it. <laughs> and, you know, here we are in, at the funeral. And did he give them the, a D&D book? That's I don't it. think he did. No? Because the very first scene, they're playing d and It's true. So many people seem to like it. It must be decent, right? It must be. It's pretty popular. It was actually at Vermont Comic Con. The guy cosplayed as the wall. Yeah, that was, was amazing. Like, okay, this is obviously a nerd thing that I need to be aware of. 
at bare minimum. Yeah, this guy at Vermont Comic Con, I don't know where he found it, but he found like a Hawaiian t-shirt that was almost the exact same floral print as the wall. Wallpaper. Yeah. And he had uh, Christmas lights hanging from him and had written in Sharpie the letters on his chest and was walking around with them lit up and blinking different colors. It was perfect. Yeah, it was done well. Um, so you guy there at Vermont Comic Con, you have inspired me to watch once and not particularly enjoy Stranger Things. Hmm. But this conversation really makes me think that there might be stuff I'm missing. And that's good, I guess. It gives me an opportunity to, a reason to maybe go through it a second time. Probably just before the second season drops. <laughs> Sounds like what I'll do. Go back and hit it and then yeah. go to the next season fresh. S- see if there's anything new there. You know, because... I mean, because I could definitely see how if you're going through it and it's like, wow, this is so deep. It's these crazy people coming to terms with something horrible and terrible in their lives. And then be like, no, it's an actual, it's E.T. This, you know, I can definitely see how that could kind of ruin it for you. And then it's hard to look at it clearly and look and be like, there's some real stuff going on here. And just be like, they didn't turn out to be crazy. This isn't a Quentin Tarantino movie at all. Right. It's almost as though I... Fooled myself. M. Night Shyamalan promised me a twist ending. What's going on here? I'm really glad that you also had that experience of these people are just crazy, right? Trying to deal with the death of this young kid. Mm -hmm. It makes me think that the you should think these people are crazy thing is like a conscious decision of the Duffer brothers. Mm -hmm. And that, in fact, makes me like it a little bit less. Because I feel like the reason I feel this way is that I had written off so much stuff that would end up being important that would completely be unimportant when we found out that these these people are just going crazy, mm-hmm. right? That the brother, the mother, the friend, and the cop are just going insane. So it doesn't matter to me what Eleven's flashbacks are, right? right? Because these are just what Mike is imagining his imaginary friend's imaginary past to be. Um... But that's the problem with leading me to believe these people are crazy. I don't know how you could do it so that it wouldn't feel that way, right? I guess the clues are there from the beginning. Um, of course, the clues are there. Like the like they show Eleven before before she, Mike runs before into Mike her. runs into her, and people go in and like kill a guy that later is shown to be dead, according to the cop though. According to the cop. And part of me wondered if, if this was like a, a paranoid complex kind of thing where it's like the little girl is representation of all of their madness and that the cop is the one killing these people and believing that there's something else going on. Part of me was wondering if that's what was happening, but then once it was very clear that, no, this is a little girl running around independent of these characters. Right. And th- I, this I is really... It wasn't that the... Also, they showed Will uh, running into the house and then running around scared and, like, something was happening with the lights and he ran into the, the room and had the shotgun, you know? And if they had then later showed that there was, like, a dead body in the, in the shed yeah. or, or, the, or like, maybe he had shot someone and he felt so terribly tried to run away and, like, drowned or something or... Or if they showed him running through the woods and then found the body in the quarry, then, okay, that would have made a lot of sense. But they showed him standing there with a gun, and then the light flashes, and he's just gone. You know, so there's a lot of clues there that, no, this isn't like people going crazy and that this kid is actually dead. Like, there's actually something going on right from the beginning. I thought that because the cop was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and that's sort of what they established first, it later turns out that those drugs are prescribed or what have you. Mm -hmm. But 
That notwithstanding, that all we see about him is he's got beer everywhere. He brushes his teeth with a bottle of Jack. Yeah. And then he leaves for the night. <laughs> like nature intended. Right, like nature intended. Uh, and then he's popping pills going here and there. I thought he was I mean, you think a, about it, Listerine is just pure alcohol. He didn't, well, he didn't gargle, <laughs> though. All he did was drink it when he was done brushing his teeth. I thought it was just he was such a bad cop, you know? Because the first thing he does while being a cop is, sorry, Flo, uh, mornings are for donuts and coffee and contemplation. <laughs> and then it turns out that Joyce, Mike's mom, is, is waiting there in his office. Also, uh, if you're, like, the cop of a, or the sheriff or whatever of, like, a small town... And with a population of 700 over, right. like, an area larger than New York City. And, like, the biggest thing... Like, Joyce is probably coming to him every morning going, The Robinson's cows have gotten near the gooseberries again! You know, like, he's, right. pro- he's probably like, Alright, I know. Shut up. Go mm-hmm. away. Give me my f***ing coffee. There's actually a scene where she's going through, like, what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, the the Donaldson's uh, kids are stealing their garden gnomes again. <laughs> oh, and there's a crazy monster going around eating people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was... I don't, I don't remember exactly which of the crazy monster going around eating people it was, but it was very interesting to me that, that Flo would tell him first, oh, the, the garden gnomes are gone, and oh, that kid who might be dead, that they found him with a shotgun or whatever. Whatever yeah. it was. I don't remember specifically. I, oh, going on back. I didn't think... I just thought he was a terrible cop. That life was... That his other two cops mm-hmm. were like really trying to investigate what's going on here. But he's like, no, nah, man, it's the government. The government's killing all these people. <laughs> and it's like, no, no. A guy got shot in a diner. You need to, you need to deal with this. Yeah. The, the guy shot in the diner. He's like... Oh, we got to go into that Department of Energy building. They're probably got little girls in sensory deprivation tanks <laughs> screaming at Russians. <laughs> so, I'll watch it again. I will uh, probably not do it by the next time we record. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not crazy. I've already watched eight hours of one show in the last, you know, at this point, 12, 13 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, makes sense to me. <laughs> makes sense to me. But we... Um, but I'll watch it again, see if it's good, and we will do that in reactions right after I'm done watching it. Right on. And as we promised, no anything after the spoilers. 